The following podcast contains spoilers and adult language. We recommend watching the movie beforehand, but hey, that isn't your bag. No worries. You do you. Brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash matinee If you'd like to support the show, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all proceeds after hosting costs will go towards actual manatee habitat preservation, because we like to pay it forward by giving back. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Matinee Manatees, the the only podcast where um where movies are discussed. <laughs> See, I thought you were just gonna say the only podcast, and then that's it. Uh. Effectively, it is. I think there was there was one other um, there was uh, 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 a gaming podcast. I don't remember what it was called, but uh, there's two out there that I know of. Hmm. I don't don't trust that other one. Sounds suspicious. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, welcome back. Merry holidays and happy, uh, Christmas. Everybody. Uh, happy cold weather season, everyone. Yeah, I'm, I'm deep into the the secular consumerism based holiday spirit <laughs> I feel like you know like it used to be Yule it used to be sort of a a, 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 a druidic slash nature worshipping thing and then Christians were like, well, we'll just make up when the birthday is now. It's about Jesus. I think we're doing that again. It's like, well, it's about Santa now. I think that's just the natural sort of progression, and I'm okay with it. It sounds about right. Um, True me of Christmas is absolutely Santa Claus, (laughs) and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Sounds about right. For this Christmas season, I I think it's a Christmas movie. It's it's definitely more a Christmas movie than like the the Die Hard. Uh, what was the other one that was controversial for some reason? 
don't know, that's the only one I can think of that everyone's like, oh, it's not a Christmas movie, but it takes place on Christmas or whatever. I don't know. It's at least as Christmassy as Die Hard. It's less Christmassy than Batman Returns. Yeah. It might be equally Christmassy as Gremlins? I don't know. Oh, I think. I think this movie actually does take place. Like. One of the days is Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. So, yeah, the climax is on Christmas. But the entire movie isn't true. It feels Christmassy. I don't know. We watched Edward Scissorhands, the 1990 Tim Burton classic? <laughs> I'll give that's, it that. Uh, yeah, that, that seems like the best, uh, best description for it in that specific town. I mean, I think it, 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 it's popular. It might be one of the more popular movies we've looked into. Uh, it's a 7.9 on IMDb, but it's an 89% tomato meter and a 91% audience appreciation score. Jeez. And guess what? Guess what? Yeah. What? On Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. This movie has five stars. Wow. Which is one of two ratings movies on Amazon.com have. I mean, you put it the upper one. I'm pretty sure the only other movie we've watched that has five stars is Felix the Cat. So, this, this movie is in very high, uh, high regard. And good Could quality. Be. But I mean, on, on the admittedly slightly more reliable tomato meter, um, I think it's the most popular movie, at least since Pris- uh, Princess Pride, which everybody loves. Yeah. I called that or maybe like who friend Roger Rabbit? Possibly. But yeah, that's way up there. Maybe. We should keep a chart or something. We we don't. <laughs> I don't at least. Don't worry, I'll probably just go look at every episode we have and obsessively find the tomato meter for all of them. I, uh, I do that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it would it'd probably only take, like, an hour or two. Yeah. Then 
putting in like a spreadsheet where you could rearrange and that stuff would be more right and I don't know how to do that. I almost certainly will do that now. Awesome. <laughs> Directed and written kind of <laughs> by Tim Burton who also did He's mad I meant he's alum. He did uh, Batman and Batman Returns, which you covered both yeah. of. I have not. Yeah. Uh, and Beetlejuice and a bunch of other things. He did like a, he did a, what? Peregrine's School for peculiar children and he did a he did wait dark shadows wait, was, was that a bird teaching at a school I'm confused I think so actually it's a bird played by that lady who plays weird people uh, from the dreamers I don't know <laughs> all I'm thinking of now is that oh, thing God. called Hattiful Boyfriend or cause you're like at a school and most of the students are pigeons or something haven't played it. I'd like to, though. No, it's not that. It, um, it... Oh, God, what is her name? Her name... Uh, why is IVB being a pill? Tilda Swinton... No, Helena Bottom Carter is the only, it's, it's Tim Burton's real life wife, I think. She's in most of his movies after he discovers her first time. No, it's, okay, okay, it is Ava Green. Don't recognize her name. But okay. How else she been in? She been in Sin City 2 and 302. She was the queen in Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah, she was in that first of the new James Bond movies. Doesn't matter. She's not in this one. Just, just Tim Burton does a lot of. Uh, at this point, not his own properties. He just does a sort of black and white striped version of various IPs <laughs> that are handed to him. Such as Dark Shadows and 
Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory and uh, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah. Um, And, you know, they're like, we want to make this movie. We also want it to be black and white stripey. We want it to have Johnny Depp in it. Mm-hmm. Well, well, what should we do? And Timber's like, I got you. <laughs> We're going to get... We're going to get our, our sound guy, whose name I should remember. Uh, Danny Elfman. Because he's the main... Danny Elfman. As far as I'm concerned, he's the main character in Edmonds or Hips. He's the main character in basically uh, every movie he ever does the music for. They're just fun. <laughs> uh, I bet he's racist. I've seen like three non-gothy white people in his entire movie career so far, <laughs> but still. He's a, he's a guy who saw the Adams Family and was like, this is my life, and then just sort of went with it. And you know what? I respect it. <laughs> Uh, it's starring Johnny Depp, this being the guy who, I think this is the last time Tim Burton ever went in for a casting call. From then on, it's just Johnny Depp. He's like, yeah, this guy. Johnny Depp, you'll know from all those other movies I just mentioned. He's also the Pirates of the Caribbean guy. He got murdered in Nightmare on Elm Street by another guy with scissors for hands. <laughs> I don't know. He's been he's been some stuff. You've heard of him. Uh, Winona Ryder, who. It, it, most recently, I think most famously in Stranger Things, um, but she was also in Beetlejuice. She's Mina in Dracula, the Bram Stoker version, which I love. <laughs> um, she should have been Arwen in Lord of the Rings. I'll die on the hill. <laughs> But she wasn't. <laughs> Been a lot of things. Also starring, I think the the main protagonist, as far as I'm concerned, Diane Weeks. <laughs> Matinee Manatee alumni from Lost yeah. Boys. Also, as the mom. <laughs> she was just the, a decade's mom, and she's very it's weird, because, like, I, I saw her name in the credits, and I was. I 
knew that she was going to be in the movie, and then, like, I didn't entirely recognize her at first. I mean, I did eventually, but I'd like to think that I didn't fully recognize that it was Diane Weist until she got her hair cut. So she had short hair, and I was like, oh, right. Of course it's Diane Weist. Yeah. No, she... I've only seen her in two things, I think. But I might have seen her a lot more, because she's one of those actors just becomes the character, and then I forget that she's an actor. Yeah. So, like, I could have seen her in 15 things, just not noticed, because she's very good at what she does. Yeah. She plays Mom. <laughs> Alan Arkin, who I really don't know from Little Miss Sunshine and Glen Gary Glenn Ross, but he's got a long career, mm-hmm. uh, plays Dad. <laughs> and he's the most dad who ever oh had. Oh my god. Dadded. I have, I have things to say about Dad. So good. (laughs) Um, Also starring Anthony Michael Hall as the bully, which is weird to use the nerd in all of those, uh... Oh, who's that guy? The Sixteen Candles Breakfast Club Ferris Bueller guy. Uh, John Hughes? Thank you. He was the skinny nerd guy in like a bunch of John Hughes movies and then I guess took two summers and bulked way up and then couldn't do that anymore so he started playing the bowling and sort of has ever since. Uh, good on him. Yeah. He, he adapted. He's like, uh-oh, puberty. And <laughs> <laughs> then just sort of... <laughs> Who else we got? We got, uh... We got Kathy Baker as... Basically, the mom from Married with Children. <laughs> uh, she's very good. I didn't recognize her from other things. I think she's in Cold Mountain, but that's all the only one I I know of. I refer to her throughout my notes as the world's horniest housewife. For obvious reasons. Yeah, I think she's just the thirst <laughs> two or three times. Yeah. But, um, she's also very good at it. Yeah. 
and uh, Conchetta Farrell as not Kathy Bates from Titanic. <laughs> I I thought that was her. I went through the whole movie thinking that was her. I was like, oh, I didn't know Kathy was this. It, she's not. Conchetta Farrell is she's also very good at and is playing the same kind of character. Um, also, I guess she was in Two and a Half Men as a as a major character, but I didn't watch that yeah, show. Yeah, um, I think I watched like maybe two or three episodes of Two and a Half Men, and I recognized her from that, weirdly enough, of all things. So, yeah, she's uh, she has a very recognizable voice and face and style about her. So, yeah, good for her. Also, yeah, she's real good. Yes, she's uh, great. Also, I don't know if you ever written down, but uh, also in a. Semi cameo appearance was Vincent Price, and this was his final film role. Is he? Yeah, he he dies on camera, I think, right? Yeah. And then he actually he died for real like a couple years later. But yeah. Okay, so it wasn't the same time. No, no, there, there's like, there's like one other film. <laughs> no, he didn't actually die on film. <laughs> thankfully, it's like you said, shot, you said, shot. <laughs> no, um, he has like one other film credit after this, but it was. I think a voice role that was probably recorded before this came out. So, I think this is... Yeah, the, uh, yeah, considers the thief and the cobbler. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, Vincent Price, of course, uh, in, like... 200 things. I can't mention them all. You know them, or you don't, and you should. Tim Burton obviously worshipped him, which is neat <laughs> that that got you on his last film project. Yeah. Because I assume he was just being fond of every moment he was on set, which is probably like a day. But yeah. still. Uh, yeah, just and that that's there's more to mention I guess but I don't know all their names uh, I know that the little brother was the same little brother from Honey I Shrunk the Kids oh. I don't know the actor's name I did not recognize him but I also haven't seen that movie in 30 years so Robert Oliveri. Hmm. I don't know what else he's been in, but he's he's also the 
Buffy. Dad, don't eat me. I'm going to Cheerio, kid. I kind of want to... There's sort of other housewives. There's a cop. Uh, they matter less and less. Yeah. Small and small screen times after those guys we mentioned. Yeah. But no one sucks. Everyone's pulling their weight, definitely. That's always good to yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this movie, it's, it's like a combination of Frankenstein and, uh, I'm gonna say Paddington for Sad Boys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see... Which is not an insult. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> See, my... But so is padding. My uh, film combination for this was Frankenstein meets A Nightmare on Elm Street meets Rain Man. So... Oh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, initially I was just going to say Frankenstein meets A Nightmare on Elm Street. And then I, because I forgot how Johnny Depp acted in this film. And I realized like, oh, it's, it feels a lot like Rain Man. But. Yeah. He's he's a robin. Yeah. But have you seen Paddington? Uh no I haven't actually. That no, not for the show, just as a recommendation for Christmas. That that's a that's a cute movie. Mm. I've heard the second Maybe one. You might see what I've, I've heard. The second one is real. Is like one of the best or one of the highest rated films ever made. I think. Or if it was the first. Yeah, one. they're like they're they're pretty sweet. They scrap old like Winnie the Pooh itch, mm. you know. Okay. It's like, oh yeah, what if you're just nice to people? If I can find it for free, I will watch it. Absolutely. And then, then you'll see why the joke was kind of funny, but not <laughs> actually funny and more sort of accurate. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Um, shoot. Does every Tim Burton movie start with a panning camera shot of a town? I hope so. Because it, it, it definitely should. It feels like they all do that. Because, <laughs> like, that's what happens to start here. He does that in Beetlejuice. He does that in Batman Returns. I 
don't remember if I've seen any other films of his, but like, they all start with that, and either like, goofy, bouncy, uh, Danny Elfman music, or the, um, choir ooing and aahing for three straight minutes music in the background, which is sort of like the, what's the word, leitmotif of this film is for the most part is just a choir doing this one, like, chord progression and ooing and aahing over it constantly which isn't a bad thing yeah but like you know it's you'd start to notice it after a bit oh it's definitely it's definitely his thing he likes his miniatures <laughs> which honestly I do too like they're cute they make it look fairy tale but he likes his miniatures. He loves his Danny Elfman. He loves his Johnny Depp. At this point, he loved his woman Ryder, but she got replaced by Helena Bonham <laughs> at some point. Yeah. And I assume there's two or three others, but it's, it's, uh... You can tell right away you're looking at a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Oh, Stan Winston. That's another guy who we work with a lot. The, the special effects guy. Yeah. guy. Stan Winston's been like 30 or 40 of movies he's seen so far, hasn't he? He's been in a ton of them. Yeah. He's the guy who, like, did the Terminator. He did, like, like, it, not, he didn't do Aliens. He did Predator. He did, uh... He did Batman Returns, at least. Possibly Batman 1989, also. Yeah. He's great. He's one of, like... Three major special effects houses that I, I love a lot. Like him and maybe Jim Henson's Creature Workshop. Yeah. Are the two top for yeah. me. Uh, this was filmed in Florida, but it was based on Burbank, apparently. Because when Tim Burton was a young weirdo, <laughs> he lived in Burbank and thought that he didn't, he felt like an outcast. And, and... There's a, there's a right-on-the-nose metaphor about destroying everything you touch. <laughs> and then he went ahead and made a movie about it. <laughs> and that's okay.
So we get, we get a sweet flyover of a snow globe looking town that's like one subdivision in the middle of nowhere with a giant spooky hill at the end of one block. <laughs> a giant spooky mansion on top. And I want to live in this town. Like, it's a fun town. <laughs> it's a real town in Florida. Uh, they had to make the hill for all the hill shots because there are no hills in Florida, but the the neighborhood is real. They just painted it. That's all they had to do to make it look like that, hmm. apparently. They might have taken out trees or something, but I don't even know if they did. Um... And, but we are, of course, going up to, to the spooky house first, where we see, like, like, spooky statues and, and stairs and stuff, and I think it's just, it's just Tim Burton's house. Yeah. Just like camera it's, there. It's like, what? It seems like every, like, large house is just Tim Burton architecture. It's like, that's how his mind works, I suppose. Like, this house, um, the, the mansion in this house, and the, the giant house in, uh, Beetlejuice, and, all the other, like the, all the other houses, just, it just feels like Tim Burton's brain, just in architectural form. Yeah, well, it's been a while since I saw Beetlejuice. Was that house also just like a big concrete one mass sort of thing? Um, no, it was. It, it was originally like a sort of rustic two or three story house that got turned into this weird pastel nightmare um, by Catherine O'Hara's character. So. Because this house, it, it's weird and peculiar just because it's like outside this regular house. It has like roofing and, and boards and stuff. <laughs> but nowhere except for the attic are there any boards or architecture. It's just sort of a plaster mold of concrete with statues built into it. It's very strange. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be very uh, featureless and gray, and... and th this house isn't like the other girls. <laughs> it's spooky. 
we get this. We see all this, and we get old lady Winona Ryder talking to her granddaughter. I don't know why people still do this, like young actress and old age makeup stuff. It's not that hard to find someone who's very elderly and looks a little bit like Winona Ryder, but whatever, it's fine. And she's going to tell us a story about where snow comes from. <laughs> and then we get a... And that's the... Then we get a... 97-minute flashback. <laughs> yeah. Eat your heart out, Bloodsport. Oh, yeah, huh? Yeah, it's probably long. This movie's got it way longer... Flashback than you. This entire movie is a flashback. We should add that to the, uh, the spreadsheet. What percentage of runtime is flashback? <laughs> Anything over 60 is honorable mention, but when it's like 90, you win. Mm-hmm. I think it's like this and then uh, Bloodsport 2 and 3 are also like 90% flashback. Um, don't watch either of those movies. They're very bad. But, yeah. I guess the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy is flashback, isn't it? Uh, I don't... Is it? I can't remember. No, sorry, The Hobbit is. Oh. Yeah, it's... I, yeah, I guess so. those ones aren't great. I don't know, I haven't watched any of them. So we see this entire housing practice visible from the mansion window, and Diane Weist, everyone's mom, <laughs> is selling makeup door to door and introducing the neighborhood to us at the same convenient time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got. We got, uh, not Kathy Bates, <laughs> who never buys anything from her, but they're on good terms, it's fine. Mm-hmm. We've got mom from Married with Children, who's trying to sleep with the dishwasher repairman. Yeah, I was... And is annoyed that she got interrupted. I was kind of surprised how quickly this movie devolved into a porn. And then it got interrupted by Diane Weist. Um, well, it's not porn yet. It's an attempted aborted porn. Well, I mean, it's, she wants it to be a it's, porn. It's about to be a porn. And then Diane Weist interrupts, so... Yeah. 
if if for the uh, assume that she ever ever succeeds, my impression is that she doesn't, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, cause cause Diane least like interrupts and then she actually like goes into the house and tries to sell her makeup and stuff. So I think they. I think she failed at her at her goal of sleeping with the uh, sleeping with the repair guy. Yeah, but I, th- I think she's gonna fail. <laughs> I don't just I mean I, just how I read the situation. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just too used to like. I didn't watch that many, like, I didn't watch that much porn that had, like, you know, guy repairman or pizza guy shows up and woman seduces him and they have sex. I never watched that much of it, but that was just kind of what my impression of that scene was going to be, was... She's gonna sleep with him eventually, but I don't know. Well, no, I, I, I think she does watch too much of that <laughs> and thinks that's also how it would go, <laughs> and then it doesn't. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I, I get that. Maybe not. Uh, she has a crazy pipe organ neighbor. She skips her house. Yeah, she... I don't quite understand the inclusion of this character. Because, like, she, this, she shows up, like, four times... And every time she's trying to be, she's trying to be kind of cryptic about whatever behavior is going on at the time. She's obviously supposed to be some sort of, like, Christian fundamentalist, but, like, nothing of what she says actually makes a difference in the film and she only shows up like three times and there's no consequences to what she says. Well, she's just showing up to yell that the new guy is from the devil because he's different. Right, like that's it wouldn't be a convincing American film if that neighbor wasn't there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I just kinda figured with like suburbs like that with uh horny housewives everywhere that there wouldn't necessarily be uh very religious household, but I guess maybe she just moved there 
to chastise them for their sinful ways. Well, it's only the one really horny house, right? Wait, I mean, everyone else is just kind of... I don't know. But maybe so. But I, it did feel like... I mean, later on, when, you know, everyone's, like, accepting of Edward, and he's, like, cutting everyone's hair, and all the women are having orgasms, like... I don't know. Maybe they're all turning into horny housewives. I have no idea. Eh. I think you just like having the haircut. I don't know. I'm probably I don't remember having hair. I mean, I don't know. I'm just probably reading too much in these situations. I did. I did watch this movie. Um. On a day when I woke up at 3.30 in the morning for no good reason. Uh, so I had very little sleep that night. And then, um, so my notes are a bit cynical. And also, uh, I woke up at 5 o'clock this morning. Apropos of nothing. So, uh, sorry if I'm a bit cynical today, too. No worries, just, just, you gotta start drinking, uh, tea? I don't know what helps people sleep. Uh, I, I usually drink tea. Oh, like, Valium. What was it? Valium. That's, you know, I might consider doing that. Like, I take melatonin now. Maybe I need to go to something a bit heavier, a bit stronger. Just drink, drink Valium. <laughs> Liquid Valium. <laughs> so that's my sounds lovely. <laughs> So, so Diane Weiss has no sales. Yeah. Uh, so she decides to go to the haunted mansion. <laughs> it's always been in the block, apparently for the first time. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't quite understand. It's a fairy tale, so we just, we just go with it. There's no way every neighborhood kid wouldn't have been up there <laughs> at least three times to prove how tough they were, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, it just, it seems like, it seems, yeah, whatever. Fairy tale, you got it. Like, every neighborhood kid's been up there a couple times. Every quiet kid who doesn't want to be bothered by the other kids reads up there. Like, it's it's too close, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. It's fairy tale logic. Yeah. If it was like, if it was like three miles away, I'd say that would make more sense, but it's like a block away. <laughs> 
Yeah, but even still, like... Like, if you ever even lived near a cemetery that was anywhere near a school, like... Like, kids go wherever they can to smoke. Like, it's not... Yeah. Anyway, he does, uh, he does topiary art, turns out. She lets herself in, and it's very Dracula, but it's also a big plaster concrete set. (laughs) But he's been nesting in the cool loft with a hole in the ceiling... Which does seem like the best view in the place, but also the only place that doesn't have insulation. <laughs> so that's weird. So, but he's a robot man, he doesn't get cold. I was gonna ask you about that, what your thoughts were on what exactly Edward Scissorhands is, because old. Makeup Winona Ryder says that the inventor gave him like a heart and organs and stuff and made him into what I guess is supposed to be a human. But he's like, he's clearly not because spoilers at the end of the movie. Um, we see him carving ice sculptures and he's exactly the same as he was uh, probably 60 years after this movie is supposed to take place. So like, do you think he's some sort of like automaton robot android kind of character? Or is he well, he's, he's specifically the, the salad chopping robot from the workshop, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it seems like, at least from the beginning of the film, it's sort of implied that he that the inventor sort of Frankenstein monster monsters I don't know he Frankensteined his way into creating life but he's clearly not like human because he doesn't age and he doesn't seem to actually need to eat or drink or, you know, poop to survive. Yeah, well, I mean, he he can't because he's in this weird, like, sort of bondage gear the entire time. (laughs) That too, yeah. He puts clothes on over it, but that's his skin. That's what I I was wondering about that too, like, I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be his skin, or if that was just like 
some sort of, um, you know, whatever bondage here, like you said, it was, that was going over actual human skin, but I don't know. I mean, well, it's either his skin or it's an outfit that he can never take off anyway because he got scissors for hands and he never... Yeah. Like, how would he take it off and put it back on? Yeah. So we know he doesn't pee or poop or need to. Uh... And we we see diagrams at one point of him starting as a robot, then having a bunch of stuff added on to it. So I think he's I think he's just a robot. Hmm. Okay. Um, with like fake Terminator skin on his head. Hmm. Okay. That's... That's, that's kind of my impression, too. Just because, like... It just doesn't make any sense why... Especially because he's, again... He still hasn't... Doesn't seem to have aged or anything. 50 or 60 years after the movie or the the main events of the movie take place. So Okay. Yeah. But I mean yeah, I could be wrong. It's not super clear on purpose, but yeah, I think he's just a synthetic he's just, you know an android. Okay. That, uh, uh, that answers my question. A, a very scaled up assembly line <laughs> chop salad making robot. <laughs> I forgot, like, I, I, I remember the look basically, the sort of the gothic. You know, Sandman, big hair, dark eyes thing. Uh, I forgot how unusual his kind of, you know, he, he, he puts his, his lower jaw back and sort of has this weird little kind of pursed lips all the time and the the makeup isn't exactly just dark eyes. It's a very specific sort of... I forgot how unusual his look is. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, it hasn't been that long since I saw this movie, but I always sort of file it under a much more generic kind of... Beetlejuice-y thing. It's really pretty unique. Um, and Dianuis notices this and that he's clearly 
neglected, if nothing else. So starts dabbing his face cuts, and she's just the sweetest person. <laughs> well, not that clever, but very sweet. I do actually think it's kind of interesting that it does feel like she kind of tries to solve a bunch of, like, issues just by putting makeup on it, like, quite literally just covering up scars and stuff. Um, but, like, not actually bothering to do anything besides just surface level treatment. Yeah. Which is also, I think, the the sort of mid-century how you fix problems in a life mm -hmm. uh, approach. Yeah. It's the, it's Movie's deep, man. It's saying a whole lot. It's the chop suey system of, uh, of solving problems. You know, wake up. Wake up, Carver. Make a little makeup. And it starts to fade away. The you wanted up. to. Yeah. La 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 You wanted to that I don't trust <laughs> I know what you're talking yeah. about That thing Sorry if you actually know the words I, I did but that's the word the worries <laughs> I listened to that song way too much when I was 15 or so, 14. I liked, I liked some system, that was never one of my favorites. It was, uh, it was too fast. <laughs> the, um... The album that came on, I think I probably wore out the CD that I, of that, that I, I listened to it so often when I was 14, 15, 16 years old or something. Can you wear out CDs? Uh, you're not supposed to. But if you listen to it enough, then I think so. I know I had um, a copy of an off of an of a the Offspring album that stopped working after a while because I think I listened to it way too much. So. Fair enough. I 
didn't uh, I didn't start listening to music until Napster. <laughs> Which uh, tells you how old I am and also what a criminal monster never ended. That's true. For me. They still exist. Just very much so. But like, I mean, when it, there was, there was record and radio and CD and then the pirating slash streaming age, which I think we're still <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, tries various companies might, they're not going to stop people from pirating this shit. Nope. <laughs> I mean, they never did. It used to be just to record off the radio thing. Now it's just much easier, but it's not. Yeah. I don't think it's more prevalent. I don't think most people bought most songs. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm pretty sure most people don't buy most forms of uh, entertainment. Yeah. But, you know, with... I used to record movies on VHS off the TV. <laughs> anything means the statute of limitations is so far past on it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't... Yeah, I think everybody did. It's one of those, like, you know, if you got Star Trek V tonight on, on <laughs> UPN after Moesha or whatever, and like, well, yeah, we're going to record that. <laughs> oh, my God. That is, that is an era in a sentence right there. Recording Star Trek V on VHS after that episode of Moesha. Man. And you got, like, the credits of the show before and the opening song the show after just because you don't want to miss anything. Yeah. Good times. After these messages, be right back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm old. Uh, which station was that from? So she adopts her out of nowhere. Mind. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry, you old No, me. I was just trying to remember what That station. was from the ABC Morning Cartoon. Oh, yeah, I knew. Where they have some claymation guys. 
I knew that was uh, mostly Winnie the Pooh for me. (laughs) I definitely remember that that sound bite. So, okay. Anyway, which by the way, if any listeners know where to find the Winnie the Pooh theme song. I want that as my, uh, my, my wake-up alarm. Because <laughs> that's where it's like, gotta get up, gotta get going, we're gonna see a friend of mine. <laughs> but I can't, I looked for it on the internet and I just find, like, covers of it. I need I need the sound clip to wake my ass up when I have to get up before noon. <laughs> so so get at me. Find us on Twitter before the website sinks. <laughs> I don't know by the time this episode comes out I might already be dead. I mean, it's pretty dead already, but, like, you know, it's... You can find me in some YouTube <laughs> So she adopts him out of nowhere. And although neighbor women call each other to discuss the new guests... Yep. Everyone, uh, it's not particularly, like, lascivious yet or anything. It's just, you know, they never see anything, you know, supposedly kind of harmless gossip. Well, and, and, like, harmless but really sad when you sort of know how limited their lives are. Are and must be because of it. Because they're all super curious because they haven't seen anything new in a long time. Yeah. And I think it, it comes across more clearly later on. Like all the cars pull out in unison and come back in in unison. Yeah. But it's that that mid-century hellscape of, like, all the men go to work for ten hours a day and all the women just sort of have to stay in stasis. Mm, just sit around, talk uh, to each other. And possibly... Yeah, possibly do value. <laughs> but, like, that's the... Um, and, you know, there's... I guess there's TV, but there's not much. So it's, it's a... It's a... Yeah. I would love this life. I'm a very sedentary person, <sighs> but I can see why other people hate it. Yeah, no, this is, um, I would also be quite alright with this life. As, and as long as it had, like, more modern amenities 
you know, like nowadays instead of 1990 amenities. Oh, I think it'd probably be okay with 1990 amenities too, you know. Have, I mean, 1990 amenities, but the movie came out in 1990. I think it's set in like, just judging from the cars, the mid-70s and judging from a lifestyle maybe earlier than that, you know. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I think it's supposed to be timeless, so it's just any time before internet after cars, but, uh, it feels more 50s to me. I, I do see that. Very leave it to be. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the, like, style of, um, the fashion styles do also kind of call back to that sort of era, too, so. That's fair, yeah. I mean, it's a guess, but. I, I, I would do okay. I would just read a lot, I think. Yeah. Probably the same. Just read, write, watch soap operas or whatever. go for walks. The fact that none of them have been up that hill at the end of the walk <laughs> is also an indicator. <laughs> yeah. Need to get out and move around every so often. So, so far I'm just thinking, like, this setup could work with all kinds of premises. Like, they're doing with a Frankenstein, but it works equally with, like, an alien, or a robot, or a merman, or whatever, you know? Uh, yeah? member of standard family finds someone brings it home you you can you can plug and play any number of premises into this the gremlin it's kind of like this this could be an et a gremlin yeah gremlin or mogwai yeah Oh, yeah. Yeah. They did. <laughs> Man, that's good. <laughs> I, I like how spacey Edward is. I was just sort of wandering around staring at things. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fun. It's, it's, it's not a complicated role, but it's more... Uh, unique, I guess. It, 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 it's less broad and more specific things he's doing that I remember. Mm-hmm. He's just sort of staring at pictures and he's staring at objects he hasn't seen before. He almost slits her throat, just pointing at something sadly out the window. <laughs> 
and she sort of has this starkly boring suburban house. I kind of love it, just the look and feel of all this stuff. Her husband is a bowling champ, and Edward is suddenly in love with the daughter, which is Winona Ryder in a, a terrible wig. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I did think it was kind of funny when she's like talking about oh my husband's a bowling champion and then she's like trying to talk to him about oh you know what bowling is and it's like why would he know that <laughs> I mean Oh, because he'll be a great bowler at some point with his 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 snipper snipper hands. I look. I've been watching a lot of like they did a pretty good job, I think. Of no, I was just gonna say I've, I've been watching like a lot of uh like bowling from the 1980s and you probably need a pretty unique uh, bowling ball created for him in order to be good. (laughs) Well, because they have those ones that are like two pipes in a ramp that you can use if you have like a mobility issue, don't they? That's true, but I'm not even sure you could pick up a bowling ball, you know? Like, I think his, his, his finger blades are like too, um, they're too slick. Like, I don't think that he has any... He has no purchase to be able to, like, grip anything. Like, there's a scene later on where he tries to, like, open a doorknob and he can't because he can't grab the handle. So, I just... I, I worry that well, I think you'd have to you have to get under it. You'd have to like make a lattice of your your blades. That right? is true. He could probably yeah. He could probably slide the, the blades underneath the ball at the ball return and then pick it up and put it on the 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 ramp thing. That's true. Okay. Yeah, because. A bowling ball is, is durable enough to you can pick it up with knives. I oh yeah, well, for sure. Be but, too scratched up. Yeah. And even if it does get scratched up, like I don't know if those you can made so throw it down the lane. Yeah, I mean they get dinged up anyway. No one cares. Yeah, so, so. it's like various. It's like um, 
I forget what they're made of now, but they used to be made of like rubber and then like different kinds of plastic and stuff, so um, it's, they're pretty durable. So we get we get a couple scenes of Edward sort of nervously mincing around. <laughs> it's so awkward, I love it. <laughs> Uh, he doesn't want to touch anything, so he'll break it. To that point, he he murders the waterbed. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, um, that. What I thought was strange about that. Not strange, but. Um. Because, like, he has to sleep in that waterbed later. And, like, how did the waterbed not, like, drain completely by that point? Because he just, like, puts a, 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 a stuffed animal on it to, like, stop <laughs> it from draining. But, like... It has not been seen. No. <laughs> so, like, I don't quite understand how the waterbed still exists several hours later. No, it's, uh... There are a few... A very few... Plot holes in this movie. <laughs> That's it's, it's it's a quite literal plot hole. So Oh nice. Yeah. Accurate. There's one thing I'm known for is accuracy. <laughs> uh, I love how she sort of throws giant pants with uh, suspenders <laughs> and this huge dress turned over him to try to it, it is that very same like we'll just cover him up he'll be fine mm-hmm. like puts down foundation and way oversized slashed <laughs> and closed. It's like, it's okay. He's normal. No worries. And it works. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just every, you know, occasional, or every, sorry. Um, eventually, they're totally fine with it. Well, pretty much right away is the fun thing. It's like all these cars, the entire neighborhood gathers around and invites themselves to a uh, a barbecue. Maybe that's later. I think it's a little bit later because, like, he still has to be introduced to the family first. Oh, right, right, okay, so they're, 
Right, so they just gather around and then they all scatter when the cars pull up because husbands are home yeah. at the exact same time they have to go. Yeah. Do whatever. Talk <laughs> This is when he's trying to use silverware. Instead of just nice, like just okay. Here, here's my here's one of my biggest complaints about this film. Why don't they prepare like larger foods for him to just skewer with his with his blade fingers? Like make steak and potatoes or something. Don't like. Don't give him, like, peas on a plate and mashed potatoes or something to eat. Like, you know, try to cater to his his unique situation. You know, I don't quite understand why... Like, Diane Reese seems like she should be a kind of understanding and um can't think of the word for it uh accommodating person to do that sort of thing but she's like no I'm gonna give him small foods to eat very awkwardly well they're doing that that old fashioned polite of like, oh, yeah, that's true. Not a common speed, but I don't, I don't see color. That's true, yeah. Thing where they're just, like, like, pretend he's completely normal and has no special abilities or disabilities, and then work on making him profitable, and that's benevolent sort of thing. That's true. Which is kind of the villainy of the movie and also just very funny. Yeah. But uh, I don't think it would ever occur to them because that would be an an insult because they're acknowledging that he's different and like that's we're we're better than that now. <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, plus, I think if he ate a whole steak meal, then he would start to smell because he doesn't have the digestive system and it would just sit in his gullet. Yeah. Couple peas here and there, fine. <laughs> like spiders get to or something. But <laughs> so they're sort of true like a foreign exchange student for a while. Well, I mean, kid from high shrunken kids is here. I mean, he actually sort of he sort of treats. Uh, ever like, uh, like a, like a new 
toy, like he says, can I take him to show and tell? Yeah. Or like he's a new pet. Which, frankly, he should. Yeah. I mean, he does. That's cool. And obviously doesn't mind. <laughs> uh, we get some more of the sort of creepy roboticness of this neighborhood where all the cars are coming in and leaving at the same time and all the wives are staying at home and all congregate at the same time. There's this awkward makeup montage. <laughs> but then we get the first hint that Edward might be profitable because he observes pruning. <laughs> like, sees um... He sees Dad very lazily trying to, like, cut the hedge or something or trim the hedge uh, while, like, watching a baseball game or something. Um, and then Edward, like, walks up to a hedge or something, and then he just, like... I can't think of the word savant-like just starts cutting at it and eventually it like creates this beautiful topiary and everyone's like wow that's really impressive So he starts doing a favor. Sort of two opposite, like impressions of how accurate he is with his scissors. Because mm-hmm. he can do topiary super fast, and he's so precise with his scissors that he can like cut people's hair super fast, and never nick them. But then like can't skewer a pee <laughs> and 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 keeps accidentally cutting himself. It's a sort of weird back and forth, you know, like he's either yeah. um like a surgeon with this stuff or He's very clumsy and just has scissors instead of hands, you know? It's one of those, like... It feels like one of those uh, situational powers a lot of characters have, where, like, they're, they're super talented when it comes to this one very specific instance, but with the other times, they either don't know how to use the power or they just don't use them at all. That sort of thing. Yeah. And I think just because we've seen him be so clumsy before, it, it does a pretty good job of making the whole movie a little tense. Because, like... It's like watching kids play with a big untrained dog. The whole movie, I'm worried he's gonna cut someone. He doesn't, 
I'm always worried about it, you know? Yeah, I mean... I guess with the, like, the topiary sort of thing, it's not as potentially dangerous as it is as, like, cutting dog's hair or woman's hair or whatever. But, like, yeah, I totally understand what you yeah. mean. Like, you're always worried that one slightly wrong move and he is going to gouge someone's eyes out or cut their, you know, slit their throat or whatever with his blade giant two foot long blade fingers. Yeah. I don't know. So it's, it's very effective at tension and sort of awkward cringe at the same time. I'm, uh, I'm uncomfortably on edge <laughs> in a pretty neat way. A religious neighbor shows up and does what they do. But then the dad's very friendly in his way. And all the other neighbors show up and sort of coerce a barbecue. (laughs) And I love how they react to religious neighbors like, Ooh, did you hear that? He's perverse of nature. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? <laughs> I love that line out of that choice, I think. I think they think she's very quaint in her insanity. Yeah, but also... If you read it the other way, they just believe her. That's also really funny. Like, ooh. Machine of the Devil, you said. I've never seen one of those. Oh, God. Yeah. So they all invite themselves over to a barbecue and they all say, oh, we'll bring this, I'll bring that, that sort of thing. I guess that means that the hosting family has to cook the meat and whatever. The most expensive part of any barbecue. Yeah. And I think this is where we get a, a, a flashback to his origin, maybe? Uh... Or, like, because he cuts himself a lot, and, and, and the mom dotes, and it's very cute. But around now, sometime, we get the flashback to the spooky cookie-baking robots. Yes, yeah, because, right? um, she's, like making something and she fires up a Cuisinart or something or a, like a, a food mixer or whatever. Yeah. And then he looks at it 
And then we have this flashback to uh, the inventor making a Rube Goldberg-esque machine to make breakfast or cookies or something. I forget what it was. Yeah, this is the first time I realized that I somehow didn't remember the Adam's Fence. <laughs> so, super excited by this. Yeah. He's lonely and he decides he's trying to make up his mind who making Edward Scissor Hands or an Edward Cookie. <laughs> Which would have been a very different movie. But he's got two sets of robots, and one have cookie cutter feet, and one has lettuce chopping hands. It's like, well, one of you guys is getting hard, but who's it gonna be? And he goes with sister's hands, even though the cookie feet probably would have been a lot safer. <laughs> well, I mean, I think if he had used smaller knives or blades, that would have also been fine. If, like, all he was going to use the robot for was, you know, chopping vegetables and whatever. You don't need a two-foot-long knife to do that. You can you can do that with like a three-inch knife or like a a knife that's as long as regular human fingers, as far as I understand, since I don't have fingers. So right, yeah. I mean, they seem dangerous in general, I think. Yeah. I mean, I... Like, why do you have any of these things when you get a perfect good flip <laughs> and float? Exactly. Like, I mean... I assume, like, human fingers are not quite as dangerous as, uh, as, as two-foot-long knives, but... I also don't know for sure. Yeah, why risk it, you know? Exactly. Um, I... I, I do want to see the sequel slash parallel storytelling about, like, Edgar Cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Would watch that. Uh, probably much shorter because there's only so many things you can do with very distinctive footprints. True. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just I was trying to think of how that would how how they would create a story about that, like. Would they maybe, instead of, like, using him to create topiaries and cut people's hair, maybe they, like, use his footprints to, um, to, like, make up a new sort of, uh, 
cryptid sort of creature. And they, like, make money off of, like, creating a, a cryptid store and, like, just making up all that sort of shit. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just creating spec scripts now at this point. Well, I'd wash it, is my point. <laughs> Alright, I'll get to work on that too. Excellent. The barbecue is oddly pleasant. Yeah. Sort of the married with children lady has a crush on him already, but all the fellows invite him to a card game. <laughs> There's an oddly encouraging speech from the guy with the peg leg. Yeah. Uh, and just the, the war wound guy, I think is what I wrote him down as. Yeah. And just, you know, all the ladies love Edward because he's thin and weird. <laughs> um, I mean, ladies love Cool Edward, right? He's LL Cool Ed. <laughs> nice. And then all the guys are okay with him because he's just sort of... Non-threatening and nervous. Yeah. And, like, he's, and he's, it he's also out. useful because he uses one of his blade fingers as a kebab skewer. So, he actually gets to do that stuff with food that I said earlier he should have done. Yeah. They, they get pretty much all the use out of his scissor hands eventually as they can, other than, like, he could have been a, a, a surgeon or a, uh, whatever you call the, the circumcising guy. Um, or maybe, like, a, a cobbler? <laughs> There's a couple other jobs that use blades, but but mostly he does a lot of them. Yeah. Vincent Price, we finally hear his voice. This does look super fun. I do want to build an android just to like read to it. <laughs> um, I might do that, actually. It doesn't have to work if all I'm doing is reading to <laughs> I actually did kind of... I complained in my notes about this scene because it was like... Oh, he's teaching Edward about um, etiquette and reading and poetry. And... All I'm thinking of is like, you, you just make him hands, please. Your priorities are odd. He's gonna, he's gonna. I know, but like, it just feels like he's wasting Why time. they come last after legs and feet is beyond me, but he's gonna. <sighs> 
I mean, okay. Like, even... Even if he had given Edward, like, one finger or thumb to be a blade, to, if he's just wanting to, like, cut vegetables and stuff, like, you could do that. Or he could have made, like, each finger into, like, a different kitchen tool. Like, you could have one finger be a whisk, and one finger be a spatula, and one finger be a knife, and that sort of thing. And like, like, he could have made it into a whole yeah. kitchen robot instead of just a guy with ten giant fuck-off blades for fingers. I mean, tongs would yeah. be more useful. Uh, like a, a ladle. ladle. Just spoons yeah. would have been probably more useful if you had different size measuring spoons. Mm-hmm. But there's the metaphor. He has to destroy everything he touches, you see. Right. But also, like, why you didn't have to make him that way. Because <laughs> Tim Burton is lonely. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> right. Fine. <laughs> Apparently, the original character was based on a sketch she made in, like, middle school. Which might explain a lot. Mm, yeah, that kind of... Feels like it explains about 90 to 5% of this, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hammer hands. <laughs> two giant fuck off mouths. Well, I mean, they kind of did that with the porn parody of this movie, right? Edward Penis Hands? Except it wasn't hammers, it was two giant yeah, dildos totally on his hands. But they could still, <laughs> so they still act, they could act like hammers is what I'm saying. You could like smash people with the giant... So can Ragnar I know, but like, you were talking about hammers. It's like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. All he's doing is carpentry and, you know, <laughs> again, cobbling. There's a lot of tools in shoe repair. Hmm. Okay. Um, which I only remember because of, uh, leprechauns. That's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, I'm the one who only suggested that. We agreed on it together. <laughs> it's true, it's true, it's true. Uh, I like how everyone has a doctor friend who might be able to help. Yeah, that, that's just this recurring that, thing where no one actually introduces him, but everyone yeah, has Yeah, that line comes up like three or four times in this movie. It's like, you know, I have a doctor friend who can help yeah. you. 
and he just sort of like smiles and nods and never does anything about it. But this is when we get Winona Ryder getting home early and didn't know Edward was staying in her bed, it turns out. Yeah. Which was a weird plan by Dan Weist. Alright. In fairness, this would be scary as hell. Oh, God, yes. I mean, just seeing... (laughs) Just seeing someone sleeping in your bed who you don't know is creepy enough. Uh, someone with, uh, leather daddy outfit and giant fuck-off blades where your hands would be is especially terrifying. (laughs) So, poor Edward gets scared, poor, uh... Kim gets scared. Kim and Jim. Oof. (laughs) I just realized. Yeah. So the dad takes him down to the basement to set him up where he should have been set up the whole time. Yeah, because, like, they have a a fucking pull-out bed in the basement. Like, why did you not put him there the whole time? (laughs) Yeah, I was sleeping in my teenage daughter's bed. That's weird. In my teenage daughter's water bed. That, that, like, ugh, oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry, there's just one, there's just yet another situation where it's like, I... I hate the dad because he's just so ignorant of everything that's going on. Oh, that's why I love him. Eh, that's fair. He goes, ah, well, ah, shucks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I hate the character. I, I appreciate Alan Arkin's portrayal of the character. <laughs> but the character himself is irritating as shit to me. So oh, he reminds my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> then he makes him a I don't know, whiskey or something and poor Edward dies when he drinks. <laughs> well which is also a great first impression. Like, don't worry, honey, it's just him. This is Edward. Just like gurgles. <laughs> well, I like, it's pretty fun. He says it's lemonade. And like, Edward, Edward doesn't even know what lemonade is, I'm sure. He tries to like give him a pep talk or whatever, and then. Edward, like, tries to drink this, and he, like, he does, actually. Looks like he dies. <laughs> like, he, his, he starts, like, not foam at the mouth, and he makes this weird gurgling noise, and 
collapses. This pep talk is just the worst 50s dad. Like, I don't know, man, girls, they get glands and they're weird. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> like, that is... Oh yeah, that that also bothered me a little bit when he's like, I don't know, and when girls become teenagers, they just all go insane. It's like, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's an all feel up problem. I think that's a you problem, dude. I mean, it's. In fairness, it's kind of an all-teenager problem, as far as I can tell, <laughs> but, yeah, but, like, I don't know, just, he just doesn't have a teen son yet, but it'll, it, it's everyone, it'll happen. Yeah. Um, also, apparently, I guess this movie, the fact that Edward struggles mightily with alcohol means that this movie is not going to be canon with Futurama because um, you know robots are rely on alcohol not to survive or to run but in this one, obviously, well, they can be you know, a later model does a more efficient model. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Huh? Maybe it's like how we we used to have cars that only went on diesel, but like now we got nominally better. put that, uh, that same diesel into non-diesel cars now, they'll, they'll fuck up. They won't work anymore. True. Yeah, drain the whole system. That's true. So now, Edward's doing topiary for the whole neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he goes to show and tell and does those, those paper arms and hands together decorations mm -hmm. and everybody loves Edward except for Jim and Kim for some reason <laughs> uh, Kim cause she's been traumatized and Jim cause he's a bad guy <laughs> exactly uh, this is also around when he they all they all have dinner together, and one of Kim's friends doesn't want to eat the meat that he cut with his uh, also pruning all the bushes in town fingers, which is kind of fair, actually. Yeah, I mean, if he didn't wash them, then I get it, but. I don't know. Boy, he, he... He doesn't wash them, because at one point, the kid tries to wash them. Dad's like, no, that'll rust them. 
just oil them so I yeah, they're ugly. Yeah. But it turns out he can also do dog grooming. <laughs> which also uh, transits to human hair cutting. It makes Joyce come for reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But at this point, we've done pretty much everything he can do with his scissors, except again, he doesn't do surgery for people yet, but he should. <laughs> I think one of the things I think is a little funny to me is it does I mean, was it I don't know if it was just me but it seemed like every haircut or most of the haircuts he gave to the women of the suburb just made them look like him like hair-wise, like the sort of, well, they're all that weird shaped, I mean, they're topiary haircuts, so like weird models of, it'll be all huge on one side and sloping down the other, or it'll be like a weird uh, nest of seagulls thing. But it is a very sort of 50s perm style, it seems like, no? Hmm. I guess so. I guess I... Is that 50s? Is that 70s? I think perms are like 70s. I'm only guessing that because of that hair. Big hair, whatever that was. I think that's just ongoing, quite honestly. Is it still? Maybe not quite as much nowadays, but it definitely happened from like the 50s through at least the 90s. When you had, like, Dolly Parton and Elvira and... Although they were kind of more throwbacks to an earlier time, but... Yeah. It still happened. Dolly Parton and Elvira still need to do a movie together. I need to see that. <laughs> I would watch that. That sounds like they could be long lost sisters or something, or they're both powerful witches in different directions. I don't know, but I want to see the That sounds kind of awesome. Right? <laughs> then, he's about to take a turn though, because he also demonstrates that he can pick locks mm -hmm. with his blades. 
And that's that's gonna come back. Cause he lets Jim into lets Kim and Jim into Kim's house because she left her keys. Yeah. And they also get him on TV in a weird talk show that seems to be just for the town. Yeah, I I was wondering if that was like um public access TV or something maybe where they just have 20 people from the suburb or from the nearby town or something just asking the questions we several radio shows yeah like that. Yeah, like everyone can hear this for four blocks. <laughs> <laughs> they're always just, they're like asking him all these weird questions. Not weird, but like they're asking him all these questions and like half of them he just doesn't answer. Um, and then there's one. I don't know, probably 16-year-old girl who's like, do you have a girlfriend? And then he stares into the camera for an uncomfortably long amount of time <laughs> while, uh, while Ken is watching. I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be real time or if that was, like, slowing down because... Kim's thinking about it, and he's thinking about it or something. It's probably that, but, like, it's still, like, this scene is, like, he's staring into the camera for a good 30 seconds. Yeah. Not saying anything, and then the scene just cuts to whatever the next scene is. So... Yeah, it was weird. It's weird. <laughs> and then he shocks himself uh, on the 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 wire of the microphone. <laughs> and Jim laughs about, but Kim is upset because. Her weird foreign exchange brother just shocked himself really badly. Yeah. And Jim's just an asshole about it. Yeah, this is the first time we sort of start to see the cracks of, like, maybe Kim realizes that Jim's an asshole. I don't know. But, yeah. But things are about to take a turn. Mm-hmm. You want you want to do a commercial? Oh yeah, let's do that. Yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs> Boy, that sounds like some worthwhile products 
and services. That's very, uh, it's a good, uh, good, uh, yeah. I can't think of words anymore. I did not, I did not remember what the little claymation guy said when he came back was the problem. I was thinking about it. Ah. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. Something like that. There you go. Exactly. So, um, we almost, we almost started another porn. So, <laughs> sometimes people have sex in real life, Sam. <laughs> no, they don't. Stop lying to everyone. <laughs> sex is a fantasy thing that no one actually does. <laughs> like in those movies or nature documentaries <laughs> and no herbs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, Joyce is probably going to help him get his own salon. Yeah. Um, it sounded like she was gonna like front the money to start a salon where he would be the featured attraction, I guess. Yeah, I love how she she blows off like, yeah, and we can get we can get Peg to to do a sell her makeup here. She's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, cause like she just wants him to to do all the haircuts and then she would be like the greeter or something. And um she takes weird yeah. And they're talking about plans, and then she takes him into the most important room in this in the future salon, uh, the back the back storeroom, where they're going to store all various uh, supplies for. The, uh, for the for the salon and there's oh look at that there's also a chair there and um you know Edward should probably sit down he's probably a bit tired he's had a he's had a big day and then yeah she like turns on a, uh, a stereo or a whatever and starts playing some Tom Jones in the background. Yeah. Because she wants to, like, model the different smocks 
that they have or that they're going to have at the salon. Uh, so she starts taking her clothes off and then she straddles him and uh, he looks very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, well, mostly looks confused for a while. That's kind of funny. Because he's like, he's like what? what is happening? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but then, because it can't be like an actual porn, uh, the, the chair just tips over and they fall over. Um, well, also, he's, he's zero years old. Yeah, like, like th- that's, like, come on, Joyce. That, that's another thing that, like, I don't know how old he is, but I assume he can't be more than five years old. <laughs> Like, I don't know how long ago he's invented. He's just noticing his reflection for the first time, like, three days ago. Yeah. That's... baby. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So, like, it's... It's... I'm very uncomfortable. So then Edward flees the premises. I mean, by fleeing, you mean he, he like, power walks away, yes, because I don't think he knows how to run, because he is baby. Well, you can't run with scissors. That is a good point. Well, I mean, Weird Al would argue with that. Weird Al Yankovic would argue with that. Weird Al Yankovic would argue with anything because he's fearless. (laughs) (laughs) That that is true. He uses a counter. Okay, fine. I accept your argument. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, he power walks away. She's nonplussed. Let's see. Sorry. Oh, he goes to dinner with the family at the like diner across the street. Yeah, and and he, he he tells exactly what happened. She's like, yeah, she showed me where all the the hair salon stuffs can go. Then she took me into the back room and took all of her clothes off. And, and no, and like everyone ignores him when he says that. She's like. Oh, so how would it look like? Well, the, the the mom's upset, and you can, like, see it on her face, and the, the daughter's upset. The dad doesn't even hear. He's like, yeah, well... I mean, oh, yeah, the dad's just like, well, I guess we gotta go to the bank. We gotta... 
get you alone. His like selective hearing is like its peak dad. You know? It's pretty impressive. The things he will ignore (laughs) or just not listen to. It's it, it does get funny sometimes like that. It's like he's just ignoring the extremely obvious uh, assault that just happened. <laughs> and the salon in favor of, well, you gotta get your money somehow, so we're gonna take you to the bank to get you a loan. Yeah, he's that boy needs a job. Despite the fact that he already has... Also, the conversation at dinner was was like with that when Jim was over, as I recall. Yeah, because they're trying to say, like, well, you gotta make your money somehow, son. It's like he's, because he's doing all the topiary stuff and uh, the dog uh, haircutting or dog grooming for free. And uh, I guess he needs to pull his weight because capitalism... You can't purchase the necessity of life with cookies, Ed. Is <laughs> this wine or something to effect? <laughs> Which is funny if you think about the other blueprint from the inventor earlier. The cookie, f- or the, the cookie feed thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, there could be a tie in there. No, there couldn't. (laughs) Edgar Cookie Hands could be a challenging script. Edgar Cookie Feet. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, I'm up for that challenge, though. Okay, okay. I'm gonna go for it. You know... I mean, we all help, but <laughs> ideas are scarce. That's okay. I mean, we we come up with at least one spec script every every episode, so uh, you know, I feel like we need to come with one very broad pitch first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah, I know. I I forgot. I forgot that spec script is like actually like a thing that's written and stuff. There's there's a script half of spec script. <laughs> we call it spec script. <laughs> So the bank, 
the gosh darn bastards won't get him along because he doesn't have an identity and isn't typically alive. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, he, the, the bank loan guy is, you know, one of the, the same people, I guess, because he has no identity. He doesn't have a credit card. He doesn't have a social security number. He doesn't have a birth certificate. So, like, why should we give you money? And uh, Diane Weiss' argument is, well, the mayor's wife is going to be a client, so isn't that good enough? For him to get a, you know, $50,000 loan to start a salon? Of course, the bank guy says no. Because uh, he has to get a social security number and then get a credit card and then buy a car because capitalism. <laughs> yeah. But, um, they really, it should have been the name of Joyce or something. She could have done it, but, oh well. Yeah. Whatever. So they, uh, eventually get along, but Jim wants Edward to help him break into his own house because I guess he wants to sell his dad's stuff? Yeah, Jim... Buy a van? Jim's whole thing is that uh, he wants to buy a van so he and... and with like a, a mattress in the back so he and Kim can, you know, get down. Um, but I guess his dad won't buy him a van, so instead of, like, working as, like, a, working a part-time job or whatever, uh, he just decides to break into his own house and steal stuff so he can sell the stuff so he can buy a van. It's a plan. Yeah. That's, uh, that is as accurate of a statement as I can, as I can say for that. It is a plan. So Edward agrees to because Kim asks him to, and Jim even says, like, well, if, if you ask him to, he'll do it because he's in love with you. Yeah. So he is not. And for, for a jealous boyfriend, he tries to hook Kim and Edward up a lot. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> 
but so they... He does go along with him to break into this house. Jim apparently, or Kim tells him that it's not Jim's house, it's someone who stole from Jim. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's going with. Yeah. Um, but as soon as they successfully break in, there's a panic room. And it locks him inside, and it's meant to be gotten out of easily, but you can only get out of it if you can turn a doorknob, so he's stuck inside. Right. And then Jim abandons him, uh, because his dad is, I guess, a lawyer, and he doesn't want to stick around because Jim knows that his dad his dad will prosecute his own son. So seems like a really healthy family dynamic they have going on there. Yeah, and also he doesn't it doesn't even occurred him to lie and just say he was having friends over to have friends over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, poor Edward gets arrested by, and this is the most unrealistic thing in, in the uh, movie, a, a bunch of cool cops who don't blow him away as soon as they see him. Well, I mean, I mean, he he's white, so he is very, very, very extremely white. That's why they don't immediately murder him with him and his giant blade hands. And all the neighbors do come out and say they know him. Like, he can't, he can't drop his knives until he is. I think they use the exact same line in X-Men 2, actually. <laughs> and then they shoot Wolverine anyway. You know Wolverine has metal bones. Which so does Edward, so he probably would have been okay too, but I don't know. Yeah, probably. So, yeah, they they take him to the uh to the police station and I guess Jim convinced him not to rat him out because he never actually says anything about why he was there or what he was doing there. Yeah, he he's refusing to narc for reasons that are honestly beyond me. I think um I think just because you know he has a child's mind. He, like, doesn't know that there is an option 
to actually, like, tell someone that another person told him to do this. Maybe he's just like, well, this well, person... was asking is the weird thing, like... I don't know. Maybe he just... Maybe he thinks that Jim's word is more important, or Jim's respect or something. I don't know. Or maybe he just doesn't want to say anything because, like... Jim. Because, um... He knows that if he if he rats out Jim, then that will make him upset, and he doesn't want to make her upset. Something like that. I guess. I don't know. I'm not saying it's a good motivation. I'm just saying that might be his motivation for doing it. Well, that makes sense, even to just have one, but, uh... Well, what we learned between this and the conversation he has later with Kim... ...is this is pretty much all his fault. Like, he... He, he does... ...comprehend... That he could have narked on them a little bit mm-hmm. and chooses not to. It, not in the very next scene. The very next scene is all the housewives are kind of turning against him because he's a burglar and they're afraid of him. Mm-hmm. And apparently, um, Joyce is accusing him of sexual assault because he rejected her. Right. So he's got two major points against him. And Kim feels bad. But Jim doesn't. But, uh, let's see. So now... Ed doesn't like Jim, but still likes Kim for some reason. She's been nothing but she to him. And tells Kim that he did in fact know that it was Jim's house and did it anyway because she asked. So everything that's happening is kind of Edward's fault anyway. Like, he, he had a way out of all this. Didn't take it, you know? Yeah. And knew he did. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's a, yeah. And then... Sorry, we skipped a bit on my notes. He throws a... The whole family thinks he doesn't know right from wrong. Uh, except for Kim, who knows he does. Mm-hmm. 
And they sort of do this funny, like they're trying to quiz them on them, but they can't oh, yeah. with each other. <laughs> the cat's like trying to give him an ethics pop quiz. But like, yeah, but then like the son disagrees and the mom disagrees. <laughs> yeah. Cause I w- I'm definitely keeping it Yeah, he's just like saying like, well, you know, you find like a briefcase full of money, what do you do? And it's like, you know, you take it to the police, do you do this, do you do that? And like, Kim's saying like, well, I keep it, you know, and, and use it with a family because that's that's the good thing to do and the dad's like no you shouldn't do that you take it to the police and everyone just argues about it cause you know I'm not gonna agree on that sort of thing and also why would you take it to the police they'll just keep it exactly they're not gonna look. They're not gonna look for the actual owner of that. Come on. I mean, I guess these police might, but uh, yeah, maybe. These police are pretty. Oh yeah, and that's the thing I forgot to mention: is when the police let him go, the the cool cop and like the only. The only black character I think the entire movie, yeah, uh, is say like, so listen, I'm gonna be worried about you. Can you handle it? Is is he seems genuinely concerned about this weird robot boy who clearly didn't mean <laughs> to do anything malicious. Yeah, it's kind of fun. You know, I didn't even think about cop later, but not Yeah, really. I didn't even think about that. About the, the two scenes, about that and the later scene that I did. I didn't even connect the two about, um, about, about him showing compassion for Edward. Until just now. Yeah, you know, so. sort of being the only guy to understand, like, you know this is a, a robot boy, right? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah. I like the psychiatrist a lot, though. He's like, well, he's got all these problems, and he was raised effectively on his own. He doesn't have an understanding of right from wrong. He doesn't know what's going to happen. Like, yeah, but it's going to be okay out there. Like, oh, yeah, I'll be fine. That's <laughs> 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 Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, then we get this one moment, or not a moment, but like one of those sort of Tim Burton esque scenes where I know they're all are like that, but where like after the ethics pop quiz, um, 
it's like snowing outside, which it apparently doesn't normally do. And so Edward goes outside and he starts like uh, crafting an ice sculpture. Well, Edward's Edward's making it snow. Yeah. Um, and then because there's they just got some giant ice blocks from nowhere. Yeah. And he's he's. He's cutting them up. Exactly. And making snow out of them. Yeah. Um, and then, um, Kim, like, goes outside and she dances around in the, quote, snow, unquote, for a while. Um. And the Danny Elf music is at, like, peak volume here. So, it's, you know, it's it's real pretty the way they do it. It's, like, yeah. slow motion and spacey and weird. Yeah. I would like to just cut away from it for two seconds get a wide shot from like across the street <laughs> and just two weirdos <laughs> back in just like in real time instead of like in slow-mo of just like this weird guy with blades for fingers slicing up giant Ice blocks and then this just up on a ladder throwing <laughs> throwing ice chunks down <laughs> and the little ones like just spit on. <laughs> but uh <laughs> But as shot it's very magical. Yeah, of course. <laughs> So Jim shows up, uh, and he threatens, he like, threatens Edward, uh, for... Who startles him. Right. It's the problem. And I think, I think like... Because he, he accidentally cuts Kim. Right. Yeah. And then, like... Jim shows up and starts like wanting to beat the shit out of Edward because he accidentally scratched her face or something. Um, well, he cut her hand. Oh, right. Uh, because she's like she has them both up, she's spinning around and stuff, and then Jim startles Edward, so he's like, yeah. And, and slices her palm, I think? Yeah. Sorry, I, I wasn't entirely sure what was happening here, because, like, again, sleep no, deprivation. It's, it's quick, it's quick on purpose, I think. So no yeah. So yeah. So Edward runs off and Yeah, 
Jim Jim chases at Roth, then Kim chases Jin Moth, and then it cuts to the dad was like ten feet away and <laughs> saw it all. It was just like, oh, what? What's going on? <laughs> like, yeah. I think, because, oh yeah, because I think, uh, yeah, Jim chases Edward off, and then, like, the dad's just not paying attention, even though he's kind of staring at it, and Kim's, like, asking, where'd they go? And he's like, what? He's hanging Christmas lights. Oh, okay. he's busy doing dad's stuff. Right, right, right. So, like, she asks him where they went, and he has no idea. <laughs> it's pretty great. And then there's, like, I think this is one of those weird, memorable scenes that I have, because, like, I haven't seen this movie in 30 years. But the scene where Edward's, like, power-walking away, and he, like, cuts all of the clothes off of him as he's running away. Um, yeah. Just shreds. Yeah. Overalls and stuff. Yeah. Not actually overalls, just pants with suspenders. Yeah. And uh, this is like his second, like, tantrum because before that, just when Jim came over, he slashed up the bathroom, didn't he? Yeah. He, like, he, like, Dragged his his blade hands across or down the hall and like cut up a bunch of like curtains and stuff. Yeah, so he's not like he's not reacting well to stuff. Like a lot of this is his doing, but yeah, yeah. So they just he goes on a rampage, right? Yeah, he's like, he just goes around and like destroys the topiaries and does a bunch of things and, um, people are starting to freak out. Slashes some tires, I think. Yeah, and like, the, the neighbors are starting to freak out and they're all calling the cops, so... The, uh, the good cop actually, I think, drives up, but he doesn't, uh, he, like, I think he tells everyone, or to, like, to help, to, like, not look for Edward, or maybe he does tell them to look for him, I can't remember. But he's like, yeah, I'll look for him. And 
I don't remember exactly what else happens here, because I think, oh, right, Edward, like, gets, he, he finds a dog, I think. Oh, yeah, he, well, he finally sits down, because he's tired out from rampaging. <laughs> and the big shaggy dog with hair over his eyes runs up next to him. Yeah. Or trots up and sits next to him. Yeah. And he, he snips the hair out in front of his eyes and it's just a sort of nice oh right dogs are so cool mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. And calms Edward down a little bit but then please catch up. So he goes back to the house. And the only person there is Kim, because the parents took off to find Edward, and Kim just wants a hug. (laughs) And Edward's like, I can't. I got scissors for hands. And she's like, you don't hug with your fingers and hugs him anyway and it's kind of cute but then flashes back to when his father died and he accidentally destroyed his own hands which were wax and I don't know how they would have worked anyway but Yo, I'm not a machinist, so it's yeah. This was another one of those, like, I remember this scene distinctly from 30 plus years ago. Um, of like, It's very dreamlike. Yeah, because he's like, he's standing there, and Vincent Price is holding out these hands, like the, you know, the foam rubber or whatever kind of hands that are supposed to replace his scissor hands uh, as like a birthday gift or Christmas gift or something and then in slow-mo you see Vincent Price his smile like turning to a sort of Moreau's look, and then he just collapses, and then Edward like has the the hand hands, uh, and they like get destroyed by his blade fingers. So yeah, it's a it's a memorable scene. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I, I guess he, um, he already told us this happened because earlier on, when Diane Weist first picked him up, she asked where his parents were and he said that his father didn't wake up or something. Yeah. So we, we already knew the whole story, but not that it was... He was so close to having hands. Mm-hmm. And also, Vincent Price is such a good face actor. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, Jim is... Sorry. No, that's actually exactly where I was going to go. Meanwhile, Jim is drinking, working himself up to go back to Kim's house and cause more trouble. Because mm-hmm. he's Jim. Mm-hmm. He loves mischief. <laughs> that scamp. I feel, like, I feel like mischief is the wrong word for that, but sure. Scamp. <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, home alone kid comes back from his friend's house and almost gets run over by a giant van with flames painted on the side which is how I want to die that's right <laughs> <laughs> But Edward saves him um, from getting run over, but then cuts him up in the process because, like, he has fingers for not very scissors for fingers. Yeah, he, like, his hand kind of accidentally gets into the kid's face and he, like, cuts him once or twice in the face. Well, it seems like he cuts him a lot, like he's, he's still moving his fingers around for some reason, but it seems like it was just... Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like what was intended to have happened in the scene, it just seemed like it was oddly filmed. Yeah. It looks like he's, it, yeah, you know, crouched over him, like, I'm gonna keep doing it, but, like... Yeah, there's no reason for that. I mean, I initially thought that, like, he had sort of mutilated the kid, but later on, Kim says, oh, no, he just has a scratch, so I don't actually know, because we never see him again, also. Yeah, he could be, like, dark man by now. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. And there's another origin story. Uh, the entire neighborhood turns out and sees... It doesn't see the, the van accident, but does see Edward cutting up Kevin. And then Jim starts beating Edward yeah. up. Which is fair if Jim had just showed up. The fact that Jim was the one who was running over him. I was going to say, like, uh, <laughs> he's the one who almost ran over the kid, so. But if he had happened up right then, like, I would kind of get it. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, quit slashing up that kid's <laughs> face, guy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. Then Jim gets cut in the arm like he didn't see that coming. Because, <laughs> like... 
Like, I'm not saying I, I, I wouldn't fight a guy with scissors for hands, but I would try to do it at range, you know? Because he's got... He's got scissors for hands. That's gonna come into play. Exactly. Like, stay at least five feet away from the guy. He's like a yeah, or like, and you, especially if you're a human and not a, a not a sexy, cool, strong manatee. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a human, a lot of your blood vessels are less than a finger deep. Like, be careful, <laughs> guy. <laughs> the average human can't take even one speedboat, you know? Mm-hmm. That's all I'm Poor sad humans. Manatees are mighty. (laughs) (laughs) So please show up. And Edward runs with scissors to show how far he's fallen to the dark side. He runs with scissors back to his haunted mansion. Yeah, and we get the uh, the Frankenstein mob of all the uh, all the neighbors. Uh, not quite as many torches and pitchforks, but they do follow him up to the mansion. More pastel bathrooms and stuff. Yeah. The the cop tries to help Edward out, but doesn't really, because he he shoots at the air twice. He's like, and don't come back. And turns around and tells the mob, like, I took care of it. Please don't follow him in Frankenstein mob. <laughs> but then he leaves. Yeah. Like, if he'd stayed for like half an hour, it's probably good. But exactly. Like, why didn't he. He could have at least tried to disperse the mob or make them. You know, go home or something. But he just, like... He's there for, like, 30 seconds. He shoots two shots in the air and then just says, It's over. Everyone go home. And then he leaves. This is like the first time when Diane wheezed because she, she picks up her slashed up kid and she knows Edward wasn't trying to kill him or anything. Mm-hmm. But it's the first time he shows a little bit of self-awareness like maybe it wasn't the best idea <laughs> to bring the blade monster down and put him in my daughter's room. <laughs> 
Because at least up there he's safe. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it was a nice full circle moment of having a thought. <laughs> so that was yeah. something. Yeah. But the mob, the mob doesn't care. Because, of course, shooting once in the air and telling everyone's been taken care of doesn't work. So the mob all goes up Han Mansion after him. Somehow, though, Kim gets there way early. Um, and so does Jim. Yeah. Because Kim finds him upstairs... Jim also finds him upstairs, and now he's got a gun all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm not making this up, this is how the movie goes. Yeah, no, it, like, it, it escalates very quickly. Um, he just, he pulls out a gun, uh, tries to shoot Edward, uh, doesn't hit him, or maybe he does, but doesn't. It's the ceiling, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's like the roof falls in, and there's there's like a bit of a scuffle, and I think Jim and Edward sort of fighting, but I guess Jim loses the gun somehow, and then Kim has it. Well, doesn't Kim... Kim Kim keeps trying to stop him, right? She, like, knocks the gun away. Yeah, and she, like... She's what makes him miss in the first place. Yeah, and she, like, eventually has it, and she's threats to kill Jim. Um, I guess because she doesn't want to be with him anymore. Well, he keeps trying to murder her like foreign exchange student brother. Yeah. Something makes good sense. I guess so. And Jim's like beating up the tire iron instead of shooting him, so that is also polite of him. <laughs> but Kim hits Jim with the big old board she found. And then Jim is upset by that, so he hits Kim, so then Edward gets upset and casually Guts and knocks him out the window. <laughs> because he has fucking scissors for hands, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> 
and then it gets all weird because like, cause they have to say goodbye forever for some reason. <laughs> they both decide. it's a fairy tale. The whole mob shows up and finds dead Jim, but no one cares because no one likes Jim. I don't know if his dad was in the mob, but his dad doesn't seem to care either. <laughs> like, ah, stupid son got gutted. I mean, <laughs> um, if it's, if it's any indication from earlier, if, if Jim's dad would have sued Jim for, you know, Jim breaking into his own house, I guess he wouldn't care that much if his son died. Well, that's just teaching a lesson, you know? Mm. Yeah. That's raising your kids right, you <laughs> see. <laughs> Kim says she loves Edward all of a sudden, which is the first indication we've had of any of this, because she seemed to hate him until she felt bad for him, and then 20 minutes ago in movie time, learned that he could also cut ice. Mm-hmm. But how she loves him. Yeah. And it's cute, but unearned. Yeah. But it's a simple movie. It's only like 90 minutes long or something, so fair enough. Mm -hmm. But then she finds an old Model 1 scissor hand. She's just going to take out with her and tell the mob that he's dead for some reason. Uh, because she, she, she pulled off his hand. And for some reason that does work, even though they weren't convinced by the cops saying it was taken care of. Well, she says something like, like, um, both Edward and Jim died when the ceiling collapsed on them or something. Well, yeah, they killed each other. Yeah. Well, they were, like, fighting. And here for proof, I tore his hand off. <laughs> They're like, well, okay, we're not going to bury Jim, because fuck that guy, so let's all just go home, guys. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Which, honestly, I would too, but I like to think I'm unusual. It's <laughs> like, well, this seems like someone else's problem. And I'm gonna go eat some cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and then it just kind of ends because apparently she never saw him again even though he lives 300 feet from her bedroom all her up that hill they just walked up in our 12 seconds her, her reasoning for it is she doesn't want to see him and have him see her as whatever age she is now. It's like she wants him to remember her as an 18-year-old girl. Well, that, that's her reasoning for not going up now. Yeah. And she's like 80 or whatever. But that means it's been 60 some odd years. The first few of which she had not appreciably aged. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Like, that I don't understand. Like, she absolutely could have just gone up there. At any time over like, the A, it's the end of her block, and B, everyone goes to bed at the same time. You can just wander <laughs> up there. No one even knows. Exactly. If you're up there. You can just go up there at 9 30 at night. Yeah. Ugh. You could spend every weekend up there and no one would know, but oh well. But she didn't actually love him and he didn't actually love her, and I don't quite know where that came from, so it's fine. Also, it's a fairy tale, so he he's up on the hill because they didn't have the framework for him to disappear in the fairy realm or whatever, which is what he should have done. Yeah. So. Just winks out of existence into the Feywild or something. Yeah. Oh, he just... But the kid's right. Yeah. She could have gone up there any time. Yeah. But... But she didn't, but she thinks he must still be alive because it still snows. And of course it only still snows because he gets giant blocks of ice delivered to him via Amazon up there. <laughs> and then then cuts them up and they drift down the, the hill. Um, <laughs> on a regular <laughs> And his new sculptures are of her and the kids and birds and all the things he saw during his one crazy summer down in town. <laughs> and it's, it wouldn't hit very hard. Except 
goddamn, can we take a moment for Danny Elfman's score here? Holy shit, this is magical. And it really is. Yeah. I think this might be his best work ever. Uh, yeah, I think like so. It, it, it's a silly, silly premise, and I still cry at this point because of the song. You know? Yeah. Really well done. Yeah. And then that's that's the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, nominally, that's the end of the story. Except there was a Super Bowl commercial a couple of years ago for a, a car, like a self. Correcting car with Winona Ryder and Timothy Chalamet implying they did in fact see each other again because Winona Ryder has his son at some point. Because Timothy Chalamet, who's a really good recast of Edward Scissorhands, honestly plays Edgar Scissorhands, his son, who also has scissors for hands, mm. and has trouble riding the bus because he keeps snipping that wire you have to pull. So they have to get him a car. Hmm. I'm not making this up. This is... It, the only other it sounds so thing to have happened in the Edward Scissorhands universe. It sounds so much like you're making it up, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> now look it up. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, Winona Ryder, Edward Scissorhands commercial. Hmm. Weird. Or don't. You don't have to do that. It is definitely a car commercial. That's so strange. But that's the story. Yeah. In two parts. <laughs> One being the movie and being the car commercial. <laughs> There was never a TV series, which is shocking if you know how the 90s did TV series based on every movie that kids liked even a little bit. And there was never a video game, near as I can tell, so it's done. Yeah, that is weird. I mean, it, even especially considering, like, all of the... Tim Burton properties that all got uh, animated TV shows and video games and whatever else. They made, they made Beetlejuice TV show. They made a freaking 
Ace Ventura TV show. They made a TV show out of what was the other movie that Tim Burton did? Uh, he didn't do Ace Ventura. I was just thinking of Huey's Big Adventure. Of uh, might have been a well, TV show or a show. It's a mask TV show. I mean, they did do Beetlejuice TV show. That's, that's yeah. not a lie. Just a I know. I, rem- I remember. I, re- I watched that when I was a kid. So, was it any good? I don't remember. In 35 years, I don't remember, unfortunately. There. But, yeah. Man, yeah, Wall Street 2. They did a, a. I don't know if they did a Frank and Weenie TV show. They might have just. Oh no, he did a Frank and Winnie cartoon before he did the movie. Never mind, that's different. Uh, I, I don't remember what else he's done. He, he did, a, did he do a Nightmare Before Christmas? He did, he, he did Mars Attacks, which I, well, he, he produced Nightmare Before Christmas. He didn't direct it. Okay. He directed Sleepy Hollow, which is one of my favorites, actually. Mm. And Mars Attacks, which is a comedy that's pretty good once you remember it's comedy. That does not feel uh, like it to me. It'd be a really bad horror movie, but, but I guess it is. Sorry. Sorry, I was just saying that. That yeah. doesn't feel like it would be a, a Tim Burton movie, but I guess so. Oh, it is. Wow, okay. It, 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 if you watch it again, knowing more of Tim Burton's work, it shines through. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did Big Fish, which is, I think, the last yeah. one where he did his own story, which I think was his last really good one, too, just because... You know, they do Charlie Chocolate Factory and Swing Todd and Dark Shadows and mm-hmm. uh, what else? Uh, just I know he, he did an adaptation of the Adams Family, which is apparently pretty good. But they're all like other people's stories. He's just doing a spin on now. Hmm. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like any... Uh, Alice in Wonderland. Dumbo, uh, apparently. Yeah, Dumbo for some reason. Yeah, I, the... Which are all, I mean, I'm sure they're all fine. I'm not too interested in seeing his versions of things. I like when he makes his own stuff up. Yeah, it doesn't, um, it doesn't look like he did. I'm, the only thing maybe, I don't know if Corpse Bride 
was an original property or if that was already a thing beforehand, but that's... Oh, yeah. I think that might be the last thing he did that was not already an intellectual property. It was not already established. I forgot about Corpse Pride. I haven't seen Corpse Pride, should I? I haven't seen it in a very long time. I think it was alright. It's been... I mean, it's... It's creepy looking, but... It's been like 15... It's been like 15 years since I watched this. I don't know for sure, but... I think it was decent. So... Well, I mean, I haven't seen Dumbo or, or the new Alice either, so... Alice in Wonderland either, so... Yeah, I, I haven't seen any of those. Could or could not. Depends. Yeah. No, I, I haven't seen any of the live-action uh, Disney remakes of classic animated films, so I... Can't test of the quality of those either. But anyway, that was Edward Scissorhands. Sam, I have an important question for you. What appliance or utensil would you have for hands instead of fingers if you could or had to. So would I only have the option of one appliance to replace all of my fingers or could I do... Yeah, it, it's bizarre but you can have one uh, utensil and a bunch of different sizes of that utensil, but one utensil for some reason. It's a surprisingly difficult question. I can give you my answer, but then you can't take it. Oh god, that's such a hard decision to make. Um, right? Okay, what's yours? I'm going tongs. Okay. But Benny Tong hands. Life isn't actually that much harder. <laughs> um, I'd probably go spoons. Because you can have like... Spoons? You can have like a pretty wide variety of stuff with spoons. Like you could have like a regular... Like a soup spoon, you could have like a ladle, you could have um, different uh, 
measuring spoon sizes. Um, you could have like a particularly flat spoon that could potentially act like a spatula sort of thing. Um, oh yeah. You like small scale shoveling pretty quickly. Yeah. You could even have, I mean, if you really think about it, like a trowel is just kind of like a pretty large spoon. So, I mean, I mean, a shovel's pretty much just large. Yeah. And depending on, like, if you could extend the spoons out, you could actually, like, you know, actually shovel things properly with a particularly long finger. Man, they can do everything the shoveler and mystery men can do. Yeah. I haven't seen stuff with cooking. <laughs> exactly. We should do mystery men at some point. I haven't watched that in a while. I don't know if it holds up. Alright. But it it doesn't. Oh, okay. Parts of it do, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't need to watch to know that. <laughs> Fair. Cool. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. Alright. Secondary question, would you recommend this movie? Um, I feel that this movie kind of falls into the same sort of category for me personally as Who Framed Roger Rabbit in that it is like, it's objectively good and it is like, technically a very it's like a very well made technically proficient film um the acting is really good in this film like you know everyone except to me besides kind of Winona Ryder I feel like she's not the best choice for Kim, but you know, I guess she was. Should have been Helena Bottom Carter, like, probably. But um, <laughs> but like most everyone is like the act. The all the acting is great in this film. Um, the. Topiary stuff is really neat. Um, the Danny Elfman soundtrack is great. I don't. I don't know. I just. I feel like some of the. Just. I guess some of the the characterizations of certain characters does kind of annoy me. Like. Yes, the Alan Arkin dad character. 
like he plays it he plays that particular type of character perfectly but there were points where it just irritated the shit out of me <laughs> like his ignorance but like I get that's the joke um so like Yes, I guess, but the plot's bad. <laughs> like, it's a shitty fairy tale. Um, and, like, I mean, it's sort of a fable about, like, Hating what's unfamiliar, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Although the moral doesn't seem to be like accept people, the the moral seems to be like let people segregate <laughs> the needs. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So little. But, um, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's good on a lot of levels, but it just kind of, it does still bother me, like, the plot and the, the moral and everything of it, so, it's kind of a wishy-washy recommendation but I would say yes but don't think about the dialogue that's fair that, that's a good call what about you um, I, I would also recommend this movie I really recommend the soundtrack. Like, I like the movie. I've seen the movie a couple times. The soundtrack is a 10, as far as I'm concerned. Like, whether you've even seen the movie or not, it's that, check that one out. Yeah. The, the Danny Elfman score. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, movie itself, I think, is, is, is fine. It's a, uh, it's a sort of retelling of Frankenstein, um, and, and Paddington, <laughs> uh, in a, a very sort of, you know, goth kid sort of way. Um, it's, it's fairly straightforward and like, you know, everything's going fine, then it turns and everything falls apart, and it, it, the pacing's pretty good, like, it's not too long, it doesn't wear out its welcome. It was a financial success, it made like, but it cost $20 million, give or take. It made like 86 worldwide. I think it would have done better, except it released the same weekend as a little movie called Home Alone. 
so... rough. Hmm. That is unfortunate. Uh, I'd, I'd say it's, it's worth checking out. And, um... It is, I mean... Yeah, I, I would recommend, but as of this recording... A lighter recommend for the movie itself than the soundtrack. Yeah. I think as of this recording, it is still technically free on YouTube, but it might be gone by the time uh, the episode comes out, because YouTube tends to just, like... They have all these movies, they have like a, a movie, like a official movie channel where they host a couple hundred movies for free. Um, and sometimes they put really good stuff on there and then they take it away in like two weeks. So it's irritating because uh, they'll yeah. just take it away with no notice, and you just can't, you can't watch it for free anymore. So, if it's still available on YouTube for free, then watch it, and if it's not, then, I don't know, do whatever you want to watch it, but, like, don't, don't pay like a lot of money to watch it. Yeah, I, I would assume it's free in a lot of places just because it is that sort of... It's enjoying status as a classic now, but... Eh, it just, I think it depends Maybe on, not. I mean, like... Warner Brothers is, like, super protective of a lot of their properties. So they're not gonna let you watch any of their stuff for free. You have to pay, you know, you have to pay 15 bucks a month for HBO Max. Uh, to watch a bunch of movies that they're just gonna drop in six months when they merge with Discovery Plus and turn it into a, uh, a streaming site that has 90% uh, shitty reality TV. So, hooray, I guess. Yeah. That's the way things go. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, this was fun. Yeah. Thanks for watching this movie with me. Yeah. Thanks for the... Uh, yeah. No idea what we're going to do next, but... But... We got ideas. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. And if you love the Edward Scissorhands, uh, shared universe, <laughs> but, but haven't seen the car commercial yet, 
Go check that out. That one's definitely free on <laughs> Timothy Chalamet as floppy hair sad boy. <laughs> Which he's actually very good at. <laughs> Well, I will watch that afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. Yeah, I would imagine so. Okay, folks. Well, it, in, until next time, happy holidays, season's greetings. I... Enjoy the winter, make what sacrifices you need to for a bountiful harvest, and, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next time, we'll listen to you, we won't see you, we won't hear you while you'll hear us, that's how podcasts work. Yeah. Until next time, I've been Ben. I'm Sam. I forget the new thing I was going to say. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) I can't buy the Dusty's of Life cookies. Nah, nah. See you in Vegas <laughs> with cookies. I'm gonna stick with that one. I just I like that one too. to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you'd like to support the show, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all proceeds after hosting costs will go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. You can listen to Matinee Manatees on iTunes, the Stitcher app, and YouTube. Our music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find this track and much more on his website, incompetech.com. 